Uh, I want to speak on peace. Uh, Neville Chamberlain, if you know Neville Chamberlain back in the day, uh, there's a photo of him coming up here. We're going to share a couple of Bible verses with you here if you can turn to Psalm 122. If you have our app, all the verses are in our app as well. But Neville Chamberlain came back from a meeting with Adolf Hitler in 1938 with a piece of paper, you see it there, proclaiming peace in our times. In 1938, he followed what was called a uh, appeasement, where basically you, you give in to the guy and give him whatever he wants, and he comes back waving this thing of peace. That peace barely lasted a year and plunged us into the greatest war that this world has ever seen. So it seems to me that some peace is different to other peace. You notice that? Not all peace is the same. Uh, he claimed peace in our time, but we didn't have it at all. And we live in a time of conflict with wars in the Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia, and now Israel and Gaza. And many Christians I talk to feel conflicted because they love Israel, and I love Israel, and we believe that God's hand is on that wonderful nation. And we also recognize there was a great evil perpetrated on them by Hamas when they attacked them on October the 7th. But they also see Israel's response in this war and they're seeing innocent people die. And so there's, pain, there's death, pain and destruction on both sides. And people come to me and say, what should I pray? Because we, we love Israel, we want to pray for Israel, but you're seeing things on the TV and stuff that, that, that break your heart, don't they? I believe we should pray for peace. Psalm 122, verses 6 to 9 says this. Listen to what it says. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And then in Psalm 29, 11, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. In fact, Jerusalem, the name means city of peace. Jerusalem, shalom. So we're talking about a place that is called the city of peace that has seen more wars than pretty near anywhere, any place on earth. Why? Because it's a spiritual flashpoint. Because somebody out there doesn't want peace in Israel. But it's not God and it shouldn't be us. We should pray for peace. Let's just pause for a moment now. Father, we just pray for the nation of Israel. Lord, in this onslaught, in this ongoing war, we pray for the, the hurt, the wounded, the killed on both sides. It saddens our heart. But Lord, we pray for peace in Israel. And we pray, Lord, that your name will be lifted up and triumphed in the Middle East in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me talk a little bit about peace because when we talk about it, it's quite controversial. If you want to upset people, talk about something political. So I thought I would. Um, and I want to talk about peace because there's a perversion of peace. When Neville Chamberlain came back waving that um, bit of paper, that wasn't peace, folks. He said, peace in our time. It was nothing like peace. So what is peace really like? And uh, what, is, what is being peddled out there as peace? On the television, I'm going to speak very plainly here because you should know some of the background here. On the TV, you will see people protesting for peace, mainly against Israel saying Israel should cease their war. And they're quoting a particular phrase, you may have seen it in the media, called, which says, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Have you seen that? That's this phrase that they're peddling all around the world in protests against the nation of Israel. Now, you need to understand the roots of that phrase. 
That phrase is not saying, it's not promoting freedom of the Palestinian people. It is anti-Semitic and it is actually, you may be unaware of this, but behind that phrase is the idea that peace, uh, sorry, that, that, that um, Palestine will only be free with the total destruction and annihilation of the nation of Israel and every Jew. That's what's behind that phrase. And people are just saying it, saying, oh, we should, you know, Palestine should be free. You may have thought that, uh, that, that um, Israel was at peace before the October 7th attacks. But this is what peace looked like for Israel before those attacks. When Israel was at peace with Hamas before October 7, quote-unquote peace, worldly peace, more than 4,380 rockets a year from Gaza were shot into Israel. What sort of peace is that? Can you imagine a peace where someone fired 430 missiles at you? That's not peace, folks. As Golda Meir said, you cannot negotiate peace with someone who has come to kill you. So any person who respects life, ourselves included, should want peace. Is that true? I believe we should pray for peace. Not innocent deaths on either side, not revenge, but peace. Yet with everyone talking and frantically pursuing peace and talking about it, why do we as human beings never seem to achieve peace? Could it be that the peace the world claims to seek is not really peace at all? Ezekiel 13 verse 10, interesting verse, it says this, They have misled my people, saying, Peace, when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Back in that day, the prophets were saying peace, but there was no peace. Right now, we're having people around the world saying peace, 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 but that's not peace. What they're asking for is not peace. I believe we should pray for peace, not the world's version of peace, not a whitewashed wall or a cover-up or a simmering war, but we should pray for what God defines as peace. Do I hear an amen to that? Israel and the Palestinians have not been at peace. They've been simmering for years. And this is just the latest bout. The Balkans is the same, isn't it, Tony? You know, it, they say, oh, the Balkans is at peace. You know, the former Yugoslavia, Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia, Herzegovina. Are they at peace? It's right under the surface, folks. They're barely at peace, barely holding it together. North and South Korea, they're at peace. No, they're not. The 49th parallel is a war zone. They're at an uneasy standoff, but that's the world's version of peace. That is not peace that God talks about. Many people's homes don't have peace. Many people's homes have, have fights or silence or stone walls or flying dishes. But they don't have true peace. What is peace? What is God's peace? Perfect peace. Shalom. Let's have a look at what God says. Are you interested in what God says about peace this morning? Rather than what the world is peddling. So let's look at the true meaning of peace, which is the word shalom. Now, I, I know some of you here, Peter, will be able to probably correct me on some of this. Catch me afterwards because... Uh, I've done some research into this, but I found a guy called Rabbi Robert Kahn who encapsulated the distinctives between Roman peace, which is Pax Romana, which, which is worldly peace, uh, and Shalom. Now, Rome said, hey, we've got Pax Romana, Roman peace. Mind you, they were oppressing everybody they were with, but they called it peace. They were at peace. No one else was at peace. 
but they were at peace. So what's the difference between Roman or worldly peace versus shalom, God's peace? Well, this is what Rabbi Robert Kahn said. One can dictate peace, but shalom is a mutual agreement. Peace is a temporary pact. Shalom is a permanent agreement. One can make a peace treaty, but shalom is the condition of peace. Peace can be negative, but shalom is always positive. Peace can be the absence of commotion, but shalom is the presence of serenity. Peace can be partial, but shalom is whole. Peace can be piecemeal, but shalom is complete. We will never have, listen to me, we will never have true peace on earth until there is true peace in the hearts of men and women across the earth. Do you know, in the 3,400 years of recorded human history, there have been just over 200 years when, this, when there has been no conflict. You can call it peace if you like, but it's just no conflict because wars were ready to break out everywhere. Mankind truly knows little about true peace. We're coming into the Christmas period. Remember Luke 2 verse 14. Remember? The angels appeared in the heaven to the shepherds, and what did they say? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all men. But then they forget the next bit. Peace on earth to all men with whom he is pleased. It's not all men. It's the one whom God is pleased who get peace on earth. Everybody else doesn't. So who is God pleased with? Well, you'd have to say believers, which means that we have, a, we have supernatural access to peace that the world cannot understand. See, God's peace is far more than the absence of conflict, war, or stress. Shalom, or God's peace, means the presence of harmony, unity and cooperation it means wholeness it means well-being it means safety god's peace doesn't drop four thousand plus missiles on you every year that's not peace so let's have a look at three areas where you can experience peace where we see shalom peace the first one is shalom in international relations now shalom can refer to the peace between nations Israel is pursuing a war right now because any peace they try to make while Hamas is, has influence will not be a true peace. Solomon, unlike his father, knew peace. Uh, his father said, it was said to his father in 1 Chronicles 22, Behold, a son shall be born uh, to you who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. And then it says this in 1 Kings 4 about Solomon's reign. He had dominion over all the regions west from the Euphrates to Tifsha to Gaza. Ooh, it's in the Bible, folks. All over the kings of the west of the Euphrates. And he had peace on all sides <coughs> around him. And Judah and Israel lived in safety from Dan to Beersheba. Every man under his vine, under his fig tree, all the days of Solomon. You see, when Solomon reigned, there was true peace. Everybody got a vine and a fig tree to sit under. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And they had a terrific time. They were prosperous, all of this sort of stuff. Shalom could also refer to a time of settled, secure social and economic prosperity. It's the safe, prosperous peace. It's, it's when you say to someone, go in peace, and you actually mean it. You know, people, people say to one another, oh, go in peace. But they often don't mean it. Shalom is where it's, it's absolutely meant, where you want peace for someone else. The second thing, you can have shalom peace between people. 
Shalom can mean unity, cooperation and contentment in human relationships, both inside the home and also outside the home. See, peace between family members, between friends, even between enemies. If we work at it, we can have that shalom peace. You can have shalom peace in your home. Some of you don't know that. Some of you, you know, we, you drive past the homes here in Nambour and they look pretty good from the outside. But I tell you, many of those homes inside, it's wall-to-wall hell in there. That's why we are, we are praying and believing God to provide money so we can build homes, cottages for domestic violence, uh, people escaping, women escaping domestic violence, because there is so much out there. COVID was such a great idea. Take two warring parties and lock them in a room. You know, the outfall of what went on back, back in the COVID days is going to be felt for decades because families were torn apart because they were locked in a room. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So you can have peace between nations, you can have peace between people, but shalom also refers to peace within people. Shalom can mean a personal sense of wholeness, well-being, excluding freedom from anxiety and fear. Pushing anxiety and fear out, being at peace in your soul and peace with God. Psalm 4 verse 8, in peace... I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You see the theme? Peace has to have safety associated with it. Psalm 119 verse 165, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. You know, I remember when um, a few years ago, I've mentioned this before, but when Fiona and I lost all of our money, everything we had in an investment collapse, uh, I think we worked there, it was about 12 years ago. It seems a lifetime ago. And uh, it, it was a time of tremendous pressure. I remember seeing so many zeros on, on my bank account in the red. I was just horrified. And you're sort of stunned for a while. Um, it's the most expensive education I've ever had. And we, all our money just went in, in basically a heartbeat. A time of trem- tremendous pressure. But we knew. We had talked together. And in the midst of this incredible financial pressure where we lost everything, including our home, and had to start again. God spoke to us, and we knew that despite what was going on around us, we could trust God. We had an unshakable peace in our hearts. And those who knew us at the time were amazed. And people who weren't Christians said, how can you be so calm? You've lost everything. And we said, no, we haven't. We've got God. We've got each other. That's enough. And so we had this tremendous peace in the midst of all this furor going on around us. And if you're going through stuff right now, I've got to tell you, you can have peace this morning. Whatever you are facing, whatever is coming, you can have peace this morning. We're not just talking about it. You can have peace this morning. We're going to look at that through this message. Let me talk about the disruption of peace because there's the same cause of lack of peace everywhere in the world and within the human heart. It's called sin. Adam and Eve knew perfect peace between each other and themselves and God until they sinned. Sin is a defiance and rebellion against God and his standards. This sin brought shame and rebellion and it destroyed harmony between men and women, peoples and nations, mankind and God. Sin messed everything up. Romans 12, 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought 
to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. But you can't live peaceably if sin is reigning. You just can't do it because it just messes everything up. So that's where the problem came. Let me talk about how we restore peace. The entire Bible from start to finish is God's plan to restore peace between people, but more importantly, between God and man. He's perfect peace. It's what Jesus, God's son, is all about. It's why he came to earth to lay his life down. It's why he hung on nails for six hours in agony for you. It's why he laid his life down to restore peace between you and God, between mankind and God. Jesus came to provide freedom and and, and forgiveness from sin and the hope of a personal and eternal relationship with God. That's why of the many titles Jesus had, he is called Prince of Peace. God didn't just throw that title at him and say, that's a good one, put that on on your crown. He said it because Jesus is the Prince of Peace and God's heart is to see peace on earth to all men who love him. Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have that sort of peace. So for shalom peace, God's peace to be restored, two things have to happen when you boil it down. Number one, sin and Satan must be destroyed. Sin destroyed the peace that mankind had in the Garden of Eden. So true peace will only be obtained when the power of Satan is destroyed. It's true in governments, it's true in families, it's true in you and me. If you let sin reign in your life, you will not have peace. You have to destroy the work of the evil one. Colossians 1.20 says, And through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The blood of Jesus. We sang it earlier. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood that Jesus shed is our ticket to peace. You can't have peace if the devil has reign in your life. You just can't. I have people saying, Oh, I don't want to come to Jesus because... I'm having such a great time. The bits I can remember. I go out on a, on a Saturday night and I can't remember a thing. It was awesome. Really? I tell you, I've never met anyone who's pursuing that lifestyle who actually has peace in their heart. If you're a slave to drugs or alcohol or sex or anything else or money... Or, or, or unforgiveness or anything else. You're a slave. You don't have peace. You only get peace when the work of the enemy is defeated. And Jesus defeated Satan on the cross. His blood opens the way for us to be reconciled and be at peace with him. But the second thing is, Jesus must reign. Ezekiel 37, verse 26. Listen to this. I will make a covenant of peace with them. A covenant of peace. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will set them in their land and multiply them. This is the uh, the Jewish people. I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. See, Satan is a defeated foe. You wouldn't think so if you watched the movies. Like if you watched The Exorcist or something, you'll think he's, he's, he's a winner. He's not. He's a loser. He's a defeated foe. He won't be around forever, but he's still kicking. I mean, if you look at the world, 
Look at what's happening in our world. Honestly, we, we get so worried when we see these international situations, but I'm telling you, we live in moments where the Bible is starting to come true in front of our eyes. And all this stuff that's going on with Israel, don't be surprised because this is part of God's plan. And his plan will involve restoring his people Israel. It will involve us being grafted in, which we are. It will involve him returning in triumph, which he will. Okay? These are all, they're predicted in the Bible. We're seeing it come true. Now, years ago, we'd say, oh, we think Jesus is coming back. But look at it now. For Jesus to return, Israel had to be back in the land. They were spread all over the world. 1948, one day, the nation of Israel was born. And I believe that Jesus is not far away from returning. And one day soon, Jesus will return and reign and sin and death will be defeated. You see, the, the devil's a defeated foe. He's just kicking around. He's, ju he's just putting up a, putting up a barney, but he's, he's beaten. He's already beaten. Isaiah 25 verse 8 says this, talking about the day of the Lord when he returns. He will swallow up death forever. When I met with, with Doug earlier this week and uh, I held his hand and we, we spoke and we prayed together and he knew that he knew that he knew where he was going. You, you didn't have to convince him. Uh, uh, one of the nurses was talking about coming in. Do, do, do we need to get a chaplain to come in and do last rites? Nah, don't worry about it. <laughs> he's good. He knows where he's going. See, when you're a Christian, when you die, it's not a full stop, it's a comma. He knew where he was going. He's there right now. So he will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all of the earth for the Lord has spoken. So, but however, just knowing Jesus is the Prince of Peace does not guarantee peace in your life. You have to take hold of it. You know, if, you, if you're sitting here thinking Jesus was a nice guy or a good teacher or something like that, you are not holding on to his peace. If you, if you think Jesus is a swear word, or if you think Jesus is a last resort, if all else fails, I better, better cry out to Jesus. You've missed it. Because he's, he's here ready for you right now, this day. And he's saying, come and experience peace on a level you will never comprehend any other way he's become lord of our lives and then we shall know true shalom peace so let me talk about how we can truly know peace john 16 33 jesus said this i've said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart i have overcome the world you see we are never going to see true peace true shalom peace in this world until jesus returns it's impossible because mankind is so selfish and self-seeking. Do you want to know what the symbol of modern man is? What's the symbol of modern man? It's the selfie. Never before have so many photos been taken of so many people doing absolutely nothing. But we love photos. We are so self-centered. We take photos of ourselves constantly there's a hint 
It's impossible because man is self-seeking and selfish. You won't see it between nations. You won't see shalom peace in marriages or families or individuals. People talk about peace as if they understand it. But the Bible says Jesus is the way, the only way. There is no other way. People are always talking about searching for peace. You know, people, they, they, they talk about sitting there and meditating on your navel and going, um, and all this sort of stuff to try and find peace. Um, comedian Dave Barry said this, I love this. He said, my therapist recommended finishing what you start as a way of feeling peace. He said, so far I've finished two bags of M&Ms, a chocolate cake and a carton of beer and I feel better already. Sadly for him and for all of us, all of those graspings, they don't work. If you want to know true peace, go to the Prince of Peace. Jesus promises peace, but he says we'll have trials and tribulations in this life. That's true. But we will also, we can know his peace right now. His peace can fill our hearts even when everything around us is bedlam. So let me go through the steps to finding true inner peace. Number one, know the Lord. I've said this before. This is this uh, little saying, uh, know Jesus, know Jesus, know peace, and then know Jesus, know peace. How can you know true inner peace, true shalom peace, that, that transforming peace, that safe peace, that prosperous peace? How can you know that peace in your heart without knowing the Prince of Peace, the source of peace. Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. If you know, if you truly know Jesus Christ, you can know inner, lasting peace, shalom peace, no matter what gets thrown at you. You can know peace. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior here this morning, I, I want to implore you to do it. You will never know true peace until you yield your life to him. And then you'll know peace that is off the charts. And you'll be able to face anything in life. The second thing. Now, for those of you who are saying, well, I'm a Christian. I believe God. Here's number two. Control your mind. This is the hardest thing to do. You cannot know peace in your life if you don't do something about your mind. How many of us lie awake at night churning? Raise your hand, mind's up, if you lie awake at night churning. God bless those of you who sleep good. <laughs> but even if you don't want to, your mind just churns and you keep thinking. And we know it's counterproductive and we know it's not getting anywhere, but we still keep doing it. Why? Because we can't turn our brain off. To experience peace, you have to control your mind, right? Are we agreed? Psalm 26, verse 3, You keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There's a big hint. See, peace is only going to be obtained if you can control your crazy mind. How do you do this? By staying it on the Lord, focusing on him, taking your eyes off your troubles and placing them straight on Jesus through his Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 6, for, the, for to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Amazing how many times peace is mentioned. There are two steps towards controlling your mind. And listen, before I go through these two steps, do not excuse yourself saying, I'm just a worry wart. Okay? Guess what worry is? Sin. Just call it sin, confess it, get it out of the way and move on. 
But many times we sit here saying, oh, I'm just a worry wart. For guys, your big sin often is anger. You explode. For women, it's worry. You don't explode. You just rehearse it 57 different ways. <laughs> Worry's a sin like any other sin. Just repent and be done with it. Don't cling to it. Don't harness your mind to all of these things. Have you ever woken up in the morning exhausted? Because your mind has been going every which way all night. So how do we do? Here's the two steps. Number one, take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Uh, we destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. So there you are. You're starting to worry. You feel your peace is evaporating. There's that thought. <laughs> Got it. Take it captive. Stick it in a dungeon somewhere. You can say to your thoughts, you have no place here. You're not part of me. That, you know, I don't want that. You have no place. You can say that to your thoughts. Take them captive and get rid of them. Now, this, this sounds easy to do, but it's quite hard to do, isn't it? Have you ever had somebody come against you or say something against you and you're rising? I better take that thought captive. And then you do. It's like, ah. You know, some of you, really would love to exercise the five-fold ministries. You would love to just, this guy's driving me mad, you know. But you, there's no peace in that. If you constantly take offense, you have no peace, folks. So one of the things when you, are, when you have inner peace, things that other people say kind of bounce off you because you don't care, because that you don't take them to heart. When you've got that peace. So taking every thought captive is important. Secondly, fill your mind with godly things. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7. I want to pull this verse apart because this one's really important. You know this verse probably. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So let's work this through. It says, refuse to be anxious. Instead, pray and be thankful. Being thankful is a real key. The biggest sin of the Western world is an ungrateful spirit. We have so much. And we're ungrateful for it. You know, we really do. We are so blessed. But we're, we just want more and more, and we're not thankful for what we've got. So be thankful. Thankful people are at peace more than ungrateful people. It's a fact. And when we do this, the Bible says the peace of God. In Greek, it's the word irini, which means peace, rest, quietness, security, and trust. It's the closest thing to the Hebrew shalom. This amazing inner peace guards your heart and your mind. So let's summarize. The more thankful and prayerful you are, the more peace you will experience. And then it guards your heart and your mind. But then we often miss the very next verse. Verse 8 in Philippians chapter 4 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything of excellence or worthy of praise, think about these things. You see, you can't just take thoughts captive, chuck them away. You've got to put something in there. And what you put in there is the most important thing. 
So what are you putting in your head at the moment? I don't watch the news because I don't want to put that stuff in my head. I don't walk away from a news bulletin and say, well, that really improved my peace. <laughs> I, don't want to, I choose not to put that stuff in my head. You can choose what you put in your mind. So don't put junk in your mind. Put something important in your mind. Put the Word of God in. Put Christian music. Put something wholesome. The third thing is to grow in the Spirit. See, Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There it is again. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, it's not a gift. We don't come on and, and lay hands on you and say, I give you the gift of peace. Because it's a fruit. It grows. And guess what? You can cultivate it. You can tend it. You can enhance it. You can grow it over time. You can also kill it off. The difference between Betty and myself is that she makes plants grow and I don't. When, when a plant comes into my life, it signs a death warrant because it, it is doomed. I kid you not, it is doomed. Fiona and I are terrifically good at dooming pot plants. Where, you know, but, but Betty just has to look at them and they sprout. You can grow fruit in your life or you can destroy it. So how do you grow it? Everything you do, everything you put into your brain, every part of God's word that you chew on is important. So do your quiet times. Use our Bible reading plans, a great way to do it. Come to church, hang out with Christians. Serve the Lord, volunteer in and around church, listen to worship music through the day. All these things grow the fruit of peace in your life. And if you don't grow this gift in your life, it's a downhill spiral. Some people, even Christians, worry and get upset about things that, that may have been said and done to them. And here's the thing, most of the things we worry about never actually happen. Isn't that astounding? Everything we worry about Oh, this is going to be like this, it's going to be like this. It's never as bad as what you worry about. The more you think about it, the more you ruminate on it, the more you fail to forgive, the more bitterness comes into your heart. Peace is the antidote to worry, fear, and bitterness. Hebrews 12, 14, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it, no one fails to obtain the grace of God and no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many have become defiled. So don't tolerate a root of bitterness in your life. Don't tolerate a lack of peace in your life. If you're not experiencing peace tonight, sort it out. You know, come forward. Give your heart to the Lord. Let his peace reign in your life. Because if you don't do that, it's going to plague you wherever you go. You can have his peace this morning. And it's called a peace beyond understanding, beyond comprehension. The peace that is encompassed, that's the peace that he, the Hebrew word shalom talks about. It's peace beyond understanding. So the first step is to ask Jesus into your life. You will never find perfect peace without the Prince of Peace. But then if you know Jesus, you need to make a decision to pursue peace by controlling your mind. And it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, goes beyond what we can understand, guards your heart 
and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, we, we started off talking about peace in Israel. We should pray for peace in that nation, but not fake peace, real peace, real peace where the enemy is destroyed and there's genuine peace. We should pray for peace in that nation. We should pray for people who are being hurt by that conflict on both sides because they need our prayers. But ultimately, pray for peace in Israel, but not fake world-created peace that's not really a peace at all. Pray for real peace that passes all understanding. And if you're a warrior, if you lay awake at night and cannot turn your brain off, you need the Prince of Peace to guard your heart and your mind. And I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. Worship team, come on up. Just close your eyes for a moment for me. Some of you here may have never asked Jesus into your life. I cannot finish this meeting without giving you the chance to respond to the gospel. The Lord is here. His arms are outstretched to you and he's saying, come. I will give you perfect peace. Some of you have been, you, you made a commitment before. Maybe you're going to church, and that's what, but somewhere along the way you've lost it. And what's happened is you've just walked away. You're struggling. So if you've never asked Jesus into your life or or maybe you did in the past, but you're not sure now, I want to give you that opportunity first and foremost. So I'm going to say a prayer. I want you to repeat it after me. And together we're going to ask the Lord to come into your life and give you perfect peace. So say this with me. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry I've sinned. But right now, Lord, I turn away from my sin and I give my heart totally to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your peace. And thank you for making me part of your forever family.